wait for the bell to stop. Yeah. We got a minute. <laughs> I think somebody actually pulls the thing. I don't know. It's very timely. It's every hour. Have you ever done that? No. Have you ever gotten to pull a bell, cor- bell tower? No. When I was at the Washington Cathedral as a kid, as like a 12-year-old, they would let the kids jump on the bell ropes and I mean, pull them. Do you have to literally jump on it and oh, like dude. with all your weight? It's like it's like uh it's like a rope. You know those velvet ropes that are like barricading entrances yeah. to things? Yeah. It's like one of those. Oh, why is it why is it because you have to grab onto so it lush. with oh, both hands and, and like friction and... jump up and oh, your whole body so weight. <laughs> so I I like I watched all the little kids mess up and then like anybody else want to try? I was like Raised my hand yeah. and I, I took a, a, you know, I was like six feet tall at the time, 12 years old. I jumped as high as I could, grabbed it and yanked with my arms. And the, the woman giving the tour just flinched. was like, okay, you're done. I was going to say the next thing, you know, the bell goes tumbling down the bell tower. Well, no, no. They just didn't want it to ring. Okay. Like oh. the, the point was you, you have to have a certain amount of mass to make it ring. Once it starts, there's probably no stopping it. And right? Once it gets going. Yeah, it's going to go. <laughs> you're going to hear it. Until it's going to, it's going to ring the number of times that gravity intended Newton intended. Hey Brad. Hi Will. I think we should made a tech pod. I'm sorry. Brad and Will made it. Welcome to Brad and Will made a tech pod. I'm Will. Are we in the present or the future? Where it's the well, it's the past past. for them. Okay. But we're in the present. Mm. How does linear time work? Uh, well, I look, I have a pretty good understanding of this now. I've completed Outer Wilds. Okay. And I feel like I understand. Good handle on cause and effect. I can see through time. Uh-huh. At the end of the day, nothing uh, yeah. we ever going to do, we do is ever going to matter because it's all just going to, you know, heat death of the, the universe, man. It's inevitable. You've met yourself now. I know me. So I might have been the first person who did, did that. Really nothing else to do. You've done everything there is. Uh-huh. I've seen it all. Except for um, how rate tracing works. I've, I've seen that, That's too. That's the one thing that we're trying to demystify here. Remember in the 90s when, yes. you, when, when you went and saw... I was live then. Uh, when you saw Toy Story and... I don't like, think I actually ever went to see that movie. I think I saw it like years later. Okay. <laughs> Just, I don't know. I re- yes, I remember the cultural zeitgeist. Yeah. And people were like, oh my God, computer graphics, this is the future. Mm-hmm. And then you would... That, like the video game people two years later or whatever rolled out the 3D effects and you were like, oh my God, I can get this on my computer at yeah. home. Mm-hmm. And, and then, then the PlayStation then, 2 came along a few years ago later and promised yeah. real-time Toy Story and didn't, didn't quite get not, there. Well, I mean, there was a Toy Story game and it ran in real-time but yes. it did not look like Toy Story. <laughs> yes. um, but but at the same time, like the Pixar nerds and the computer graphics nerds were like, yeah, this ray tracing thing, you're never going to see this. It's never going to happen yeah. live. Yes. Well, do I have a story for you? Oh, uh, they were wrong. You could buy a video card today for somewhere between five hundred or three hundred and a thousand dollars that yeah. will ray tra- or twenty five hundred dollars. You want to get the fancy fancy uh, that will ray trace for you live. Yeah, it's it's wild. We've that's, all seen it. That's what we're here to talk about. And yeah, it's, it's crazy. Uh, so it we're talking about real time ray tracing yes, today. Yes, I realized last week that we didn't ever say what we were talking about. Yeah, it was LED lights and home automation. Yeah, Christmas tree. Sure, lights. that was the topic. Yeah, yeah. That was let's the topic. Go, let's lights. go with that. Um, Photons. Yeah. So I had a friend. Yeah. Okay. So yes, I was. I was. Deep in the quake scene. Yeah. Um, who, who did your favorite plan file back in the day? Uh, probably Carmack. I mean, I th- so I, I mean, I real, time, real time graphics were sort of my f- first love besides actually playing games. Like at some point I thought, oh, well, man, I want to be a graphics programmer. That sounds amazing. And then I realized I had a little aptitude for math. And Mat- I hated, Matrix I hated, math is really hard. Hated the subject. So yeah. that didn't last. But uh, I find the subject fascinating. 
And as much as I was into playing Quake, I was also into all the developments with 3D accelerators and stuff. But on top of that, because, um, yeah, like you didn't really hear, you certainly did not hear the phrase ray tracing associated with games back then. Well, um, I mean, you kind of did because the way they used uh, light maps to generate Quakes Quake okay, yeah. was basically ray tracing. It just wasn't real time. They would run. Right, but as a, as a practical real time application, it didn't exist. And yeah. the, th- the thing I was going to say was I have a friend who was pretty big into visual effects back then. Uh, and I heard from him numerous times because he was in that world that, that if we ever got to the point of real time, real time ray tracing, that was the Holy grail. Like that was kind of the thing that congratulations. Like cur- there was currently no expectation that it would happen. Yes. But if it did exist, like that would be it. That would be the final. Obviously it could be improved. We're definitely at the Carpenter's cup version of the Holy grail. Right. Then. Right. Yeah. Yes. It's like, so, well, so it's nascent right now, but, it- but it is a it is a massive. I don't know how this phrase sounds, but paradigm shift. Yeah. In the way graphics are done, kind and of. It's 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 been a weird thing watching these first RTX cards come out because the problem for me, like basically watching a bunch of people look at it and go like, oh well, I guess that looks good. I guess it's a little bit shinier, but I don't really get the big deal because the fakery had gotten so good. That that's it exactly. Like all all of the all the ways that people have fudged and approximated what ray, ray tracing just does for real have gotten so effective at simulating those effects that now that we have this very rudimentary version of the real thing, like it's almost indistinguishable. Well, and and just to be clear, ray tracing is just one part of what make made like Toy Story look like Toy Story, right? They also like Toy Story doesn't use textures to make to give things surface. They use math to define what the surface should look like, what the volumes should look like, and then they would run they would adjust the numbers on the on the on each material until it it had the characteristics that they wanted. So like right. so that Woody's nose has the appropriate whirls and stuff like that on, on his wood. Yeah. And like primitive versions of some of those concepts have also been coming about in real-time games in the last well, few years too yeah and like demo like if you look at demo scene stuff which is always a good place to see what people can do with current hardware like they've been doing like those those you know those little things you download it's like a 60 kilobyte executable oh yeah yeah the uh the 64k scene yeah or 4k and, even yeah like yeah. the demo scene is some crazy shit well you download those and then you run that little tiny program that program generates all of the yes. textures and all of the math and all the descriptions of all the things that you're then going to see doing everything algorithmically exactly. instead of with giant asset files exactly um so so yeah like we've been moving toward that for a while but we're not like just to be clear uh, with an RTX card, you can probably show like something that looks like a Toy Story scene and render it, and it'll look it'll look close. But it's still not it's still not like running Render Man, Pixar's custom material stuff, and all the all the ray tracing stuff that they do on a giant compute cluster, even in 1996 or 95 or whatever that. Like it is, it is a very early first attempt at bringing this tech about. Well, the the thing you said is it's a it's like so part of the reason you use like a materials engine to render what surfaces look like is is we've generated a lot of techniques to fix skewed texture rendering over the years like like if you think about um bilinear and trilinear and isotropic filtering for textures all of those things are designed to fix the errors that are caused by not uh, not just defining the material mathematically, right? Right. So, um, it, you know, it's all part of applying a two D image and making that yeah. uh, the this the what a three D object looks like. Um, you but, get you get a lot of artifacts by by workarounds by, yeah. by using workarounds and, and trickery. 
Well, and over the years we've gone, so we use, uh, most games use what's called a rasterization pipeline, which basically means they break down a series of polygons into the smallest possible triangles, and then they apply textures, and then they maybe do more rendering passes on top of there that apply like things like uh, uh, shininess and reflections and lighting and shadows and uh, ambient occlusion, which is just another way of, it's like a way of saying how the light bounces around, how, how the ambient light of the room bounces around and makes some dark spots like under your coffee table or a brighter spot on top of the table and, and how that stuff all works. Yeah. It's been fun following the stuff from kind of the beginning. Yeah. Um, because you saw the evolution and I, you know, I, I only have a layman's understanding of most of the stuff, but like lighting, for example, went from being applied on a per face basis on a per surface. Per vertex. So, right, is yeah. that, uh, well, that wasn't, that was after that, right? It wasn't vertex level. Oh, lighting. I guess the like Garon lighting and all yeah, that stuff like in Garo, TIE Fighter. Like that's and that's like basically that. like yeah. flat shading, right? Yeah. More or less. And yeah. then, yeah. And then, it, then, then lighting began to exist on a per vertex level. Well, you started with no lighting, right? Like Wolfenstein has no lighting. Yes, There's sure. just like yeah. a circle. That's a black circle on the ground underneath right. the dudes. Right. Right. But then you got, you got flash shading and then you got vertex. Yeah. And then I think it was per pixel after that. There's some per pixel, like you can do some dynamic per pixel lighting. That stuff started. I feel like doom three was maybe the first time I saw that for real. Um, where the lighting, the lights were like, if you think about, um, like, a, a, a splinter cell game where you could shoot, light bulbs out and they, that part of the map would go dark. Right. I don't know how they did that, but my guess is that they had like light maps that were tied to individual objects in the world. And when you'd shoot the light out, then that light map would just turn off or change. Um, whereas with doom, doom three, you could, you know, shoot at a light and the light would start moving and the, the shadows and stuff would move dynamically. And that was bonkers. It was mind blowing yeah. at the time. Like it was completely bananas. Now it's like super commonplace. It's not uh, super commonplace, well, but I mean, it's more like I played, um, I'm, what was it? It's it's a uh, uh, antechamber, maybe. I feel like they did stuff with like control does a ton of stuff with lights. Yes, yes. Uh, so control is one of the ray tracing games. The the thing that surprised me about these RTX cards is usually in the in. Okay, there's let's let's take one step even further back than that. <laughs> yeah, this is a big topic. There's a lot here. In the old days, when people would make a graphics accelerator, they would accelerate like one thing. They would like like accelerate trilinear filtering, which is a way of making the the skew of the textures look right when you're looking at them at weird angles. And they'd they'd put a little piece of silicon in there that accelerates that like the rendering of those the different layers of the trilinear filtered texture. And each of those features that they would add would be like a hard coded thing that you could do. Um, and again, that that existed in the chip design, in the chip design, and right. in the API. Right. So, like, you if you wanted to do trilinear filtering, you would call this API call as a developer, and you would provide these art assets, and it would just render them at the right right, right stage of of the filtering. But what I mean is, if you wanted to use a different filtering technique, you're probably you, fucked. You, you were not going to get hardware acceleration. You would have to develop it in software, and that was insane. Or, or, you or could, not possible. Or you could write like there were there. There's always hacks. So like you could change the way the trilinear filter texture was yeah, stored yeah, so course. that I like mean, there was something weird you could do I'm sure, I'm sure yeah, developers got super creative with it what i mean is you, you were not uh i mean what i guess what i'm building up to is that this was pre sort of programmable yeah, it was shader. a fixed function pipeline right. yes so basically like you would do everything on the cpu and then you'd hand off the scene the 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 you'd hand off the scene and this and then the the gpu would break down break that down into triangles right and then it would apply the lighting pass and the and the shadow pass and the you know whatever ambient world effects and all that stuff to, so, to that and so that i guess that's where the first the geforce 256 came in right because it moved the it had hardware transform and light moved the geometry and lighting calculations from the cpu onto the gpu yeah and that was a that's a big deal that was i mean that to me is probably somewhat analogous to where we're at with ray tracing now right like it's a it's a very i mean not yeah. quite the same thing 
It, it is, but it is. It, but it, in it, terms of it being like a, a significant leap forward, that is going to take a little time to fully reach uh, fruition. Well, it so it took a it took a computationally expensive thing for the CPU and made it essentially free. Right, right for the for on the GPU. And and if you look at the history of GPUs, that's what's happened over and over again. Yeah, right. Like in in the the 3D of X made texture mapping really cheap. Like it, you know, and it, it, and, and the hardware transform, hardware setup, the trans, the, the triangle setup for the scene is what the GeForce 256, when you came, when you get to like later on, when they started adding programmable shaders with, I guess the GeForce three was, I think the it was the GeForce three first and, thing that had to kind of rudimentary version of that. DirectX three, I think. No, direct. It was direct. That would have been DirectX seven or. Oh God, you're right. I think it was DX eight actually, wasn't it? I think eight well, was DX8 the first was with the 5,800, the okay. one after the GeForce four. Okay. So GeForce three and four are essentially the same hardware yeah. there was no geforce 5 i think it's when they went to the 5800 5700 yeah. series yeah. which was they were terrible bad cards yeah and i think it's a version of the geforce 3 in the original xbox like that's the era we're talking about yeah it's, like, it's like a geforce 2 chipset with a geforce a modified geforce 3 gpu if i like recall that. yeah or, or like a yeah yeah um, but, but around that era is when the first programmable shader stuff started happening right well and that first programmable shader stuff was mostly good for things like normal maps and for like adding um rather than adding like a 2d texture to a surface adding 3d textures to surfaces and stuff like that you could do a little bit of reflections um i feel like you could do that in the n64 because that sgi chip had some weird memory access stuff so like the the metal met mario and stuff like that was was um, probably shaders that were rudimentary okay. by today's standards. Okay. But that's the distinction I was trying to draw before. Am I am I right? Like, assuming like you were talking about earlier, you've got rigid functions that are accelerated in hardware, and but have to be you know used more or less specifically. as intended by the hardware right. and API developers. And then, yeah. and then the move to this was now you can start kind of implementing your own well, yeah, functionality you, and have have the hardware accelerate it. You can write little programs right. that run on yes. a per pixel or per vertex yes. basis. So that that, was, that's what a, that's what a shader is. So that was another major leap forward. That was that was the last kind of big leap right. forward. Right. And that's been 15 plus I years. Mean, so everything past past the the launch of the first programmable shader cards, which kind of 5800 kind of the original Radeon the, at that time the Radeon was I think the the better card the next steps there were getting the APIs to the point that those the the languages that wrote those little programs were more capable and then just putting boatloads of those processors on because if you're running any program per pixel then that means the n- amount of compute you require goes up you know with with the number of pixels that you have on the screen right so as resolutions went from playing games at 800 by 600 by to to you know 2160 by 1920 which is what 4K games play at you you you're looking at um is that right i think that's right yeah I mean, those number are like in the thousands on gpus now right yeah yeah so yeah what, what is the common terminology like shader com- compute units everybody calls them something different shader um, units stream processors i've seen a lot of names the stream processors is what they call them in one of the consoles i think right or, I, I, or maybe I, AMD I calls them one, that. Of the, one of the geforce generation um, i forget uh, uh nvidia calls them shader model shader shader modules now okay and there's boatloads of them. Like this is when you buy a cheap video card, like a like a 2060. It's not a cheap video card, but the low end video yeah. card versus a RTX Titan. The big differences are clock speed, amount and speed of memory, and then the number of shader units that you have accessible. Um, so the, the thing the thing that's happened is between those two things happening, there weren't like it wasn't like when Nvidia, when Microsoft would say, "Hey, we have God rays." With this new, you can do God rays with this new video card and this new version of DirectX. It wasn't. It wasn't that they added like a God ray accelerator to the card. They just. They just suddenly the the cards were capable of doing enough math 
fast enough that you could do this effect that was previously not capable right? Or, if, or not available with the other older versions of the API. Because if you had to implement physical transistors on the GPU to enable every single effect under the sun, you, the GPU would be a mile wide, right? Like, yeah. It'd be it, impossible. We, what, what, what has happened is the GPU went from being a really specific fixed function processor to a really specific, massively parallel general purpose processor. Which is why it's good for like doing things like mining Bitcoin and yeah. doing neural networks and stuff like right, that. Because well. it can be made to do a lot of different types yeah. of math. It's just math. Yeah. It's just doing a lot of a lot of parallel math at the at the same time. So so okay, so in the old days we broke things up into triangles, we applied some lighting passes, we applied some shadows, and then then we moved on. That's what's called rasterization. That's rasterization. Yeah. Basically taking a three D scene, turning it into a two D image. A bunch of triangles, and, it, and it's done by layers, right? Like you, you would it depends. Oh well, I'm sure. I'm sure different. Yeah, pipelines handle it differently. Um, but essentially, like you've, you're 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 arranging and processing the geometry first, then you're applying like one pass of effects. Like you're you're layering images on top of images until you get the final scene or the final frame, right? The, well, the classic example is first you determine where the viewpoint is, right? You determine where your camera is, and then you send out a bunch of rays from there to see what stuff is visible, or you can draw from the front back. So you only like once once you have a once you have a so say there's like if I'm drawing the scene that we're sitting I'm looking at you you're sitting across the table from me there's a computer in front of me I'm going to draw the computer and my water bottle first and then anything that's obscured behind the computer doesn't get drawn so you save that time yeah um and 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 there's other there's a, a bazillion ways to do this um some people do tiles and they do math inside specific tiles that's how a lot of mobile processing works now um. That's funny because tiled, tiled rendering was one of the very first dude, your techniques phone. from yeah, like, Power VR. Like the mid, yeah, the or power. I think the, the rendition, rendition Verite used tiled rendering as well. Anyway, like the uh, early, I'd yeah. swear, like VQuake, like some of the early accelerated versions of Quake no, it, used, it was, it used was the tiled other, based rendering. It was the other specific one. It was the power architecture, which actually right. ended up in ARM GPUs. Oh. So that, that okay. old ass PC that, video card. That explains. Every phone, they've That's, sold way more of those now than anything else. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Yeah. I digress. Yeah. Um, so ray tracing is not like the ray tracing we're using seeing in games today in things like Metro and Control and Tomb Raider, Shadow of the Tomb Raider or whatever the last one was, um, isn't, it's still a rasterization pipeline. The thing is we're just doing a ray tracing pass along with all the other passes for whatever effects the developers wanted to flip on. So Control is the game that I probably played the most that had ray tracing. Um, and it, I think it had the best implementation because they use ray tracing for reflection. They use it for ambient occlusion in the space. So like if you're playing Control and you walk up to a, a glass window in a dark room, you'll see Jesse kind of fade in and out in a in a, in a way that looks real because it, it's mimicking the way... Uh, light works in the real world reflections work in the real world um but those are just those are just layers that run on top of on top of uh the the rest of the rasterization pipeline have we talked about have, have we explained what ray tracing actually is yet i not really okay i think we kind of hinted around it so um it's probably it, it's probably useful to talk about how light works physically yeah that's a good that's I mean, a good uh, you know if a photon strikes a surface and it's either absorbed or reflected or both or some of some, each to, yeah. some, to some degree or if it's a translucent surface it is refracted in some way uh you know light bounces around like and how it, do your eyes work Brad? they the rods and cones they yeah the rods and the cones collect the photons yes. that bounce off of objects into them right so we're surrounded by an infinity of photons at any given moment right 
And, and like you know, if a if a if a photon strikes a a, a quote unquote red object, like it's going to like that that affects the wavelength of the photon. Right? It absorbs everything but yes. the red wavelength. Right. So it reflects it reflects a, re- a red wavelength into your eye, that's and that's ex- why you see red. That's exactly right. So with ray tracing in a video game or or a movie or whatever, what it does is it it kind of goes the other direction. And it looks at all the pixels that are visible. The, the game looks at all the uh, evaluates all the pixels that are visible. And then it calculates the bounce from all the light sources in the world on each of those pixels. Um, and that is an incredibly computationally expensive yeah, thing. It sounds like it would just the, the, the amount of horsepower would just increase exponentially. Well, it's not too bad for a first order. When okay. you're just talking about the light meaning, that's going from the light source a to the bounce. object, well, no, no, no reflections. So when you're not doing when you're not doing reflections of the, you know, like if you think about it, I'm putting my hand here above this black thing, and I can see my hand in the black thing because the black thing is reflecting mm-hmm. the light that comes in from the window hits my hand and bounces onto the black thing from which your hand, then yeah, that, reflects that, into my eye. That's a little dimmer switch, which is yeah. which is glossy. It has a glossy finish. It's we a, should we should point out. It's a glossy black finish. If, yeah. it was a, if it was more of a matte finish, you probably would not see your hand in it because it doesn't reflect as much. You know what though? I'm holding my hand over my matte finished laptop, <laughs> and I can see the white reflection of my hand right here as just as a much less distinct this is, object. This is I mean, this is a, well, a this is not a video podcast, but B I love that this is the world's most basic DIY ray tracing. Tech well, demo, but it's perfect. But you I mean, can, you do, can do this at home. Yeah, you can do it at home. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, you see that reflection, and what's happening is the light's coming from the sun, going through the atmosphere. It's being refracted through the atmosphere. It's coming through your shears. Yeah, yeah. And your these, blinds. These sheer curtains here. It's hitting my hand. It's bouncing off of my hand onto the uh, laptop, the matte surface of the laptop, right. and then a tiny percentage of those photons are then bouncing up into my eyeballs where they're interacting with the rods. And, and the like honestly, like in all seriousness, everything you're describing right now is why I loved computer graphics so much. Going all the way back to the '90s, yeah. it was always just in pursuit of recreating in a video game how light works in the real world. Mm. And of- that's why I was so blown away by Doom Three when it came out because it was the first thing that really looked to me like it was even getting close to that stuff. And it just felt like magic. One of my all time favorite John Carmack tweets, and I'm not gonna be able to find it because it's impossible to search for 20 or 10 year old tweets was when he was, it seemed like he had gotten out of the shower and the, <laughs> he on. had a screen door screen. The window in his shower has screen and like a pebbled texture mm-hmm. on it. Yeah. And he was looking at it. He was like, the light that comes out of this thing, we're never going to be re- recreate with computers because it's impossible. And then he described why, because of the reflect, reflect the screen door, the refractivity and the reflectivity of the glass. And yeah. I was like, this is amazing. It's, it's just cool. it's so many different layers of computation, though, that have to happen to, to simulate all of those things. Well, and, and so, for example, this is why all of the lighting and stuff we've done for real time lighting over the last 20 years has been fake. Right. It's why it's why like when you have a character that holds his arm up against the sun and you look down at your body, usually you don't even show the body because, you know, it's impossible to do self-shadowed characters. It's really it's not impossible. It's computationally expensive to do self-shadowed characters. And that means that things like the shading on the side of our nose when the lights on one side that helps us helps people with only one eye who are monocular see depth still. Right. All that stuff is gone. Yeah. Uh, in yeah, video like games sitting here in front of this window right now to our side like the the the, the window word side of your face is yeah. lit up and the side that's away is is in shadow for the most part and and, and when you close one eye you can still tell depth because your brain can interpret those shadows right. as the result of your nose having depth and it, you know video games don't do that until ray tracing right and you know you get a lot of and i hope i'm not talking out of my depth here but you get a lot of situations with like reflections and water 
and and any kind of reflective surfaces where you're not actually reflecting the actual the, the real geometry above it you're projecting like some kind of cube map of the environment or something like that onto it right almost all yeah that, that's like the, that's that, often that, it. that's yeah. another great example of fakery you know yeah so, it's, so that's why that's why like again this was another one of those examples i feel like of people kind of looking at ray tracing in a cursory way and dismissing it like a lot of those uh, early like reflectivity demos they put out at a super quick glance like they don't look that different from the stuff that's been out there until you really eyeball it and you're like wait a minute every single thing happens happening in the scene above this pool of water is showing up in that pool of water as opposed to like look at a game from two three years ago it's like even 10 years ago most of the details from yeah. the scene are in that water but if you really look at it it's like oh the character's not there or x y and z dynamic thing that's moving around in the 3d scene doesn't show up in the water because it's not it's faking it well the perfect example is a, a car game so if you think about like racing games like Need for Speed Porsche Unleashed, which came out in 1998 or 99, had reflective, the cars reflected, uh, you know, it was, it was one of the first 3D accelerated car games that was like a high budget one. And they just put an environment map on the whole world that each map had a, had its own environment map, but it wasn't specific to the area. It just had like some trees and some whatever right. color the sky was and whatever color the ground like it was, was. It was generated outside the game as a static map. Yeah. Static image or volume. It was, a, it was a game of lies. Right. That, that they just, yeah, mapped the same thing every time. Yeah. Like it was not dynamic, not real, quote unquote. It's good enough. Yeah. And and I mean. And that's the history of computer graphics well, is good enough. Yeah. Mimicking light in real time has been, has always been about good enough. And, it, and to be perfectly frank, still about good enough. Yeah. Like we're not, we're not doing 300 samples per pixel to get the right distribution of light and and all that and and mimic the just the lightest glow of my hands reflection in the matte surface of my laptop yeah um what we're doing what nvidia is doing what amd are doing with their real-time ray tracing stuff now is doing a little bit of ray tracing and then they're using a bunch of really smart tricks to make that data look good um can you can you give a little more context to what you mean by sample yeah so when you when I'm talking about sampling, so like in terms of anti-aliasing, this is an easier one to understand. Maybe you know anti-aliasing takes a an edge, uh, like a straight edge, usually in a game, and it calculates. Basically, aliasing happens in a game because putting a triangle on a on a square grid is going to give you a series of stair steps, right? Square grid being the like layout, the number layout, of pixels layout on the, the screen, pixels on the screen yeah, right? layout of pixels on the screen. And when you when you have those stair steps, it it looks jaggy and it looks bad. When they move, you notice them and right. catch your eye because you have a very hard contrast between pixels that are one color and pixels yeah. that are the other. So so what uh, anti-aliasing does is it it takes a group of four, eight, or sixteen or whatever pixels around those edges or across the entire screen in some cases, and it takes the value of each of those four pixels and then it averages, averages them together them, right. and puts the affected puts puts that average into the affected area right and it does that uh, it does like a rolling average across all the pixels on the screen or it just renders the screen four, four times higher and then smooths it all out by uh you know uh squinching it down combining each four set of four pixels into one pixel number right. so in, that's simple math so so in that example the number of samples is just subsequent, like iterative, continued averaging to continue exactly. reaching a more ideal result, right? So with ray tracing, it, like, well, I guess I guess what constitutes a sample? Like, is it a, a cast ray in um, ray tracing? Is it is it a bounce or is it? I would guess uh, it's probably a cast ray. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's, that's what I was really wondering. That's a metaphysical question, kind of. <laughs> well, uh, like, I, don't, I don't know if we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but like I've seen enough examples of like research ray tracing. Yeah, work. 
out there that looks super noisy. It's got almost like a pointillistic sort of look to it, you know, where it's a bunch so, of dots around the environment. You can see this in Control. You can see it in Quake yeah. RTX. And yeah, you do get some of the, the noisy artifacting in shipping games. And so that's kind of what I was getting at was like how increasing samples eliminates that problem or where that problem comes so, from yeah, in the first place. So um, basically what they're doing is I'm going to get down to the right place so I don't mess this up. What real-time ray tracing does now is uses a limited number of rays and then denoises the result of those rays. Okay. So those denoising al algorithms are easy to accelerate. Um, your phone camera uses them. So like your phone, CMOS sensors are inherently noisy, but you can look at the information around a pixel on an image and it can denoise that area. They're doing the same thing with the, with the shadow map results that come out of ray tracing. So sh shadow map's not the right term there also. Um, <laughs> But, but we're probably fudging a few things here and there. But. Look, this is this is we we could probably do five episodes on this. I, I guess as we'll continue talking about this yeah. as, the, as the more details come out about the new consoles, because yeah. really we know nothing about their ray tracing implementation except for AMD is making them right now. Uh, the upshot is, I think this is the first time I've said the upshot by the way <laughs> today, that each ray is going to produce one sample, and generally they work back from the from the pixels. Uh, on the real-time ray tracing is my understanding. I could be getting this wrong because it's not well-documented at all. But my understanding is that the real-time ray tracing looks at the pixels. The, instead of bouncing the rays from the light sources to your eyes, that results in a ton of waste that you have to calculate a bunch of rays that your eyes never see. Like anything that hits behind my computer screen as I'm sitting on the desk looking at you okay, is isn't this, going to make it to my eyes. Is this another example of saving by only processing what's in the viewport? Only what you can see. Okay. So yeah, so you... It runs the rays out backwards and then sees what hits a light source. Okay, is is one I've, of the that cost makes, savings okay, that yeah, I understand. That I, I'm <laughs> again. There's a lot of ambiguity because like people talk about path tracing, which is a subset of ray tracing that that is uses randomness to generate uh, uh uses a controlled amount of random. It's called a Monte Carlo algorithm. Mm -hmm. It uses a semi-random, uh, sorry, uh, an algorithm with a known amount of incorrect answers, a low percentage of incorrect answers to generate a lot of right answers and correct information. It's one of the more accurate ways you can do rendering. We don't really do that in games right now. Uh, maybe Minecraft is going to use some path tracing. It's uh, uh, That part's unclear to me, the, the RTX Minecraft implementation, um, because, because they use voxels and voxels have weird properties that we don't need to get into that. <laughs> um, the upshot is... You're, you're sampling pixels to see what the light and reflectivity of the other light sources are on them. And even with the real-time stuff we're doing now, we're probably doing maybe one or two bounces. I was just going to ask, does, yeah. does every subsequent bounce add that much more uh, necessary horsepower? Yeah, each each the more bounces, as there's, I understand, no, it goes up exponentially. I was the more say, bounces there's, there's, there's no economy yeah. of scale to bounces. Like, the more bounces, the more... No, it get, just gets... Compute. The more bounces, the worse it gets. Okay. Um, the so need, you, have to, you have to cut it off at some point. Yeah. But the neat thing is these same bounces work for audio stuff too. Yeah. So if you like put materials, if you design your materials engine in your game to tell how reflective the audio is and how much audio the objects, the, the surfaces absorb, you can do the same kind of work and produce really amazing sound. Um, that's hardware accelerated. Right. Like uh, the thing that comes to mind for that is there's that, uh, I don't know if you found, you probably did that, that recording room and control. Where you, oh, can, yeah, you yeah. can go in there and play like a Poets of the Fall song and it's yeah. just kind of a random little side room. Yeah. 
but that room is baffled. It's covered in audio baffling. And that seems like a good, like, extreme example of how that tech could work. Right? Do they like, do it? Do they do that? I don't, the I don't, know, I don't, I don't know that they do. I mean, maybe. I don't I'll know. have to go check that out. Um, I, I don't know that they do in that case. But what I mean is that, like, design wise, that is a good example of where tech like that would be very uh, prominently noticeable. PUBG is a great example. Yeah. Right. Like, if you think about a game where a lot of your information comes in the audio form, you're playing first person PUBG or any battle royale for that matter. It's, it's what killed the COD battle royale is that their audio engine was terrible last year. So you're, you're playing a game where mostly you have to not look and just tell where people are coming by the sounds around you being able to tell that they're above or below you um having the sound muffled properly on rugs having it bounce off of the buildings across the street so that you can hear so that there's confusion about what where a shot came from all is incredibly useful and this seems like another case just like with the the graphics that uh they've been faking stuff like this for a while by hand but but if you just have a good generalized audio engine that can simulate all this stuff like you're there's a lot of cases where like extreme echo or sound absorption or something like that would really change the character of the audio well um, so the audio is simple enough usually that you can fake it or you can run on a CPU. That, that was my guess that, yeah. that they had gotten close to that already. Um, there are, have been companies like Ariel in the, in the late nineties, early two thousands, um, made a headset that hardware accelerated the HRTFs, which is, uh, a, a, their head related transfer functions. The idea is that it, it does the math to make your two head speakers on your headphones produce uh directional audio 3, 3D sound. 3, yeah, 3D I've, directional I've, audio. I've, I've heard of that stuff and i had mentioned it before on previous podcasts yeah. and had people roll my roll their eyes it's at amazing me, like, like like they didn't think it was possible but it totally is no when it works it's really good yeah. uh there's the uh, PUBG uses a, a piece of middleware that does that and like the what happened to them is the cpus became capable if you didn't need to have dedicated hardware right um but the ray tracing stuff is a whole other level of adds another level of complexity that's neat being able to accelerate is anyway um so yeah, with ray tracing right now, we do a limited number of rays and we use denoising to take them down. If you're playing control, if you're playing Quake RTX on an RTX board, you can actually see that happen. So if you play Quake, you take your hands off the controls, it fills in the shadows the longer you stay static on the screen because huh. it's just running more rays in the background. Okay. Like it's it's not unlike a normal raster pipeline where you know you have like you make a frame every six milliseconds or every 10 milliseconds or every 14 milliseconds with the ray tracing stuff. It's just kind of always going on whatever you can see in the viewport. And depending on the implementation, the longer you let it sit, the better it gets. Um, I feel like you can even pause it on Quake RTX and it'll just keep filling in indefinitely until it looks like a photograph. Huh. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, um, how do you feel about uh, that Quake 2 thing? Like I... It's been funny watching that thing come out and having a bunch of people go like, man, Quake 2 is boring or it's like, who wants to play this old ass game? But like, to me, it seems like an almost ideal test bed for something that looks very relatively primitive by today's standards so that the that the modern effects that they're working on really stand out. Well, yeah, so it's um, Quake RTX. So I played the whole thing. NVIDIA sent me a 2080 Ti. Just full disclosure, NVIDIA sent me a card so I would play Quake RTX on stream. I would also play Quake RTX on stream. I don't think they're interested in that right now, but maybe later. Do you, you know why car games and fighting games used to be the thing that they launched consoles with? It's because they could put all of their hardware budget into one or two characters. Right, like a, like a fighting game is two characters and a fixed two camera, car- camera yeah. angle. Like you can really... 
you can spend a lot yes. of polygons. All you can spend, you, like you can put all of your polygons into a fighting game character yes. or half of them, right? Because you only need to have one on screen or two on screen at a time. Same thing for cars. Like you're you're rendering one really complicated thing in a scenery that moves very quickly, so you can't really see a lot of it, and right. you can blur kind of the details out. Let's say you could make the crowd look like a bunch of cardboard cutouts, and people probably wouldn't notice. Yeah, as long as they don't stop. <laughs> so the moment they slow down, woof. Should put that photo mode in there. Um. Which who did that? Is that? Oh, it was one of the forces. I oh, think okay. at a certain point you were able to really Oops. see what they were doing there. Oops. Um, but yeah, so this is the opposite, right? Quake Two RTX is a nineteen ninety seven or ninety eight game. Ninety seven. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it the characters are like three hundred or four hundred polys. There's a lot of colored lights because we just had the ability to do colored lights, but the environments are really really simple. So you you don't have to worry about like the math to do the bounces and all that stuff is a lot simpler on there. And you can do much more complicated things than you could do in a game like control that has a modern poly budget and normal mapping and all that stuff. So yeah, it's cool that they're doing stuff like that. I mean, I guess they need to, they need to have some way to show people what the tech actually is. Yeah. I I mean, compared to other new hardware initiatives where like there were new APIs and stuff that you didn't, you'd bought it by a video card. You wouldn't see anything that used it for three, two years to another generation, basically. Um, that they've done a really good job. Like control is a really lovely showcase of what the hardware can God, do. You're right. I actually hadn't thought about that because the public narrative about the RTX stuff is there are no games that use it. I mean, control yeah. changed that somewhat, but that was only three months ago or something well, like that. Prior I mean, to that. Cause the cards have been out for like a year and a half, about a year now. Yeah. Or a little over a year, but, um, Metro, the Metro Exodus game was Metro seems like it. shadows really well. Like a lot of a lot of games used one or two pieces yeah. of the pipeline, so they'd use they'd use ray tracing to make shadows look good, or they right. use ray tracing to make reflections look good. Well, the thing I was going to say is, um, as much as the narrative has been about RTX that there are no games that use it, when I you reminded me, I thought back to like when the GeForce two fifty six came out. Yeah, there was nothing but the tech demos that shipped with the card. Nothing, like, nothing used hardware TNL. Yeah, there was nothing except yeah. for like this demo of like a, a you know a fairy flying around in a forest glade, so you can see all the lighting bouncing and stuff like. Like, were, like you, you basically bought the card and played with the tech demos and then went back to playing the games you had. Like it took a while for that stuff to really start becoming implemented. Well, it worked. It also was faster than the other, the last generation of cards. Like, like they put well, yeah, that, yeah. they put that, yes. they put that hardware on there and it was, it was good in that it, you know, it, it was forward looking, but it also made your old games run your old faster. Games were way faster. But there were not, there, were not yeah. there was not a slew of games that used like hardware TNL immediately on the market when the no, first G Force. It came wasn't. Out. It was. It took a long time. So like RT, like if anything, I think the RTX stuff might be more widely used at this point. I, I mean, they they released Quake maybe six or eight months after the boards came out. Maybe it was a year. Um, they the control stuff, the Metro Shadows of the Tomb Raider was pretty early. Yeah. The patch for that. Yeah. Um, like I, I was pleasantly surprised by how much stuff there was to try. Um, and, and, but control for me is the showcase. Hmm. Um, the stuff they do with the red lights, like the red lights in the, in the areas that are infected with the bad guys is, is gorgeous. The reflections, the ambient occlusion stuff, all of the, all of the, like the world lighting, I think isn't, isn't ray traced, but a lot of the, uh, incident lights are. It's and all those projectors are, which is amazing. Yeah. It's like you can tilt, you can knock the projectors over, and then they display the 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 screen projects in the right way, which is pretty straightforward. But then the reflections off of the screen still look good, and yeah. it's it's pretty rad. Um, I don't think it's a thousand dollar video card rad, but you know, new consoles just around the corner. That's true. Both going to support ray tracing. Yeah. We don't really know how. 
Um, yeah, where do you want to go with this next? There's there's new consoles that are going to use some form of AMD-based ray tracing. There are multiple APIs on the PC we could talk about. I feel like this is a big topic. I feel like the APIs, like there's... I was really confused about the APIs until I yeah. started digging in a little bit. I, I also, I still am, and I would love to get an answer on some um, of that stuff because there's there's DXR, which is the DirectX standard. There's yes. RTX, which is NVIDIA's specific proprietary stuff. Yes. I guess... AMD typically only does open stuff and yeah. Metal or Vulkan... I yeah. guess their Vulcan metal is a Apple, I believe. Yeah, didn't they hand that off? I feel I like think. maybe. Uh, Th- that doesn't matter. Metal doesn't yeah. apply here because there's no RTX metal hardware that I'm right. aware of. But Vulcan... Vulcan has has uh, an implementation there's already. A, there's a Vulcan ray tracing implementation that's either in the works or done by now. Is it, uh, as, a, as an aside, is it... Um is it accurate to just think of Vulcan as modern OpenGL, or is there is there more of a distinction there? Um, Vulcan's lower level. Okay. So the idea the idea with both Vulcan and Metal is that they're APIs that are closer to the hardware. Okay, I, I meant more um, the more uh, th- that it's like OpenGL in that it's an open standard subject to. Is it open? Isn't it an open I, standard? I thought it was because OpenGL was generated by a consortium, you know, by a kind of a board, right? Back in the day, it, whereas and DirectX I, was led by Microsoft. Like, yeah, that's it, what I, that's but, what I'm trying to say. DirectX is is controlled basically by Microsoft versus, but it's not. Well, I'm sure the vendor, the hardware vendors, have quite a bit of say. The people who are making the hardware tell them what they're yeah. making. Well, yes, and then they yeah. make the standard around that. And Microsoft acts as a mediator, so they can move a little bit faster than the open, the open thing. I don't know. I don't know anything about the politics of Vulcan. I've never even looked at it actually. Um, so yeah, th- there is there there is a real time ray tracing Vulcan API okay. now, um, and it works on all the same hardware you expect. Yeah. So the, the there's um, let's see, there was there were a couple things I didn't know about. There's OptiX, which is Nvidia's, um, it's kind of their pro API for okay. people who want like pixel correct ray tracing versus that they don't care about running in real time necessarily. Does, does Nvidia still sell like five figure? Graphics cards for professionals, or they they're still in that market, right? Uh, they're fifty thousand fifty thousand dollar cards, about fifty thousand. But like Titan RTX 20, is a workstation card. Yeah. They still make Quadro cards, right? Like there yeah, are the Quadro is the classic example of that. There are Quadro equivalents of everything up to the twenty eighty Ti. Wow. Okay, and then you move over to Titan. I think, like I think the lines merge at Titan. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So OptiX is the pro thing for like like doing preview renders of right, professional, professional graphics if, work. Yeah. If you're yeah. making 3d models or whatever. Yeah. Um, DXR is Microsoft's API presumably built with both AMD and, and uh, NVIDIA's and maybe even Intel's um, in, in, oh but, gosh, that's a whole separate topic. Well, we, we're uh, not going to talk about Larrabee, but is that Intel's thing? Well, Intel, like uh, maybe it's not super germane to this specific episode, but like whether Intel is going to matter in the GPU market or not yeah, is something I've been curious about for a while. Intel is always going to matter in the GPU market because they make most of the oh, the, the, the integrated, integrated sure. graphics. I'm talking yeah. about the high end market. Like haven't they haven't they been making noise for like years now about we, how they were trying to get into the high end? There have been conversations about Intel coming back into high end graphics, which they basically bailed out of with. Like, I didn't know they were ever in it. So Intel was Intel made really compelling graphics cards in like the late nineties, early to early early two thousands. Oh, okay. Um, the nine fifty two and and th- those cards were um comparable to rendition three D effects, probably better than a Reva one twenty eight back in the day. Uh, the the pre GeForce Nvidia card. Their integrated graphics have gotten consistently better about a generation and a half behind discrete graphics yeah, like over the last 15 they're, years. They're great for laptops and, and they're fine for laptops. I don't know if I'd say great. Well, well, what I mean is they're great for people who can't afford a. It's better it's, than it's nice that they can run some games. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's nice that there's something in that CPU that'll make your monitor work. 
Well, yes. Yes, that for sure. Absolutely. Says somebody who runs a headless yeah. server, not having to put a graphics card in that thing when I need monitor on it is pretty nice. Like that stuff's cool. But I mean, yeah, they do run some games. Like it's nice for people who can't afford a GPU at yeah, the moment to like, so, like, still be able to play something. Your 2D stuff, your pi- like I played Pyre on an integrated right. laptop. Right. Uh, like, yeah. Th- so, so anyway, but you're not going to do VR stuff. You're not going to do definitely not going to do ray tracing. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm talking about Intel getting back into the discrete GPU. So the last game. time they talked about that was this thing called Larabee which was basically a lot of really low power x86 cores running in parallel to do the programmable shader part with presumably a hardware transformer lighting, you know, and all the stuff that you do to render the actual frame at the end of the pipeline. Um, They killed that. I think probably before I even started testing, it was 2008, 2009, maybe 2010. Um, Oh, I could have sworn there were rumors. And then there's the the rumors around something that sounds a lot like a modernized version of Larrabee have been ramping up over the last year okay that's the stuff i had seen then yeah um so that would be a massively parallel low power general purpose compute engine for graphics machine learning big you know cryptocurrency stuff like that um whether they actually release it or not who knows intel i feel like intel spends a billion dollars on developing new technology all the time only to kill it (laughs) either right after they announce it or just before they would have announced it sure uh, I, I only ask because it would be great to see more competition in that space, you know, like, yeah, specifically what has happened to pricing for both CPUs and GPUs as Intel and NVIDIA respectively have kind of been the only game in town for a number of years has been horrendous. Yeah. So like this, this recent resurgence of AMD on both fronts has been amazing to see. Yeah, they're, they're multi-core CPUs are super competitive. Yeah. yeah, super competitive in the CPU space again. And like, it seems like the Radeons are maybe not quite where the G4 stuff is right now, I, but it's maybe getting better. I think the, I know the, I know the newest, uh, was it a Navi release? Whatever the last thing they put yeah. out. It's, it's okay. Was okay. It it's, was it's good in the mid range and bad yes. at the high end. Yes. It's, it's, yeah. That was a little disappointing, but still like they seem to be doing better than they, you know, they were kind of AMD has traditionally targeted the fat part of the curve of the sales curve, not necessarily the high end or the very low, low end. Yeah. The thing that I think the big advantage that Nvidia has, honestly, I mean, their, their hardware is always good or usually good. They spend a ton of money on developer relations and like the amount of money that they sunk into control, I, I have to imagine they put a ton of money into games like Control and Metro, and they developed the Quake 2 RTX thing in-house. Yeah. I know they're working with Microsoft on Minecraft. Like that work pays off in the fact that Call of Duty Modern Warfare has ray tracing this year for Shadows, right? In the old days, Activision wasn't going to support anything that would have any risk of impacting the fat part of the curve, of the sales curve, you know, the PCs that 90% of the audience has. And and the fact that that they're spending enough money to get them to do that is 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 good for people who buy Nvidia cards. Yeah, they should do that. Yeah, they need to. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's see. Vulcan is cross-platform. My guess is that the PS5 will use Vulcan or a variant, a fork of Ver- Vulcan that that Sony or, or AMD build for yeah, that hardware. That's I sure I would believe that. My, I know the I know the PS4 uses its own proprietary yeah library called GNM. But but the more but it, but it may be based on I don't know if it's got OpenGL underpinnings or what. I, yeah, I mean it's it's almost certainly based on something, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, the benefit of keeping things cross-platform in that regard is that the porting stuff is a lot easier, yeah. so you don't have to rewrite all your shader code and all your ray tracing code. Right. Whether Sony cares about that in what appears to be a Europe-led regime <laughs> leading up to the PS5 launch remains to be seen. Mm. So, um, and then. Let's see, there's some other machine learning specific APIs that we don't need to talk about. And that's like, it seems like the RTX libraries that NVIDIA does are probably only being written 
by the people who are who Nvidia is paying to add RTX support to their games. My guess is if you're Joe Joe Bob and you're making a game that you want to support ray tracing on, and you want to potentially sell it on the PS5 and on the the Xbox Series X, worst fucking name ever. <laughs> Not a fan. Just they. I'm, I'm mixed. Remember when Nintendo released the Wii U and yeah. everybody thought you could just buy the thing to oh, plug yeah. into no, your I, Wii? I certainly I get the potential they, for brand they, confusion. They did that again. Absolutely. Um, it's like, I, I think you target Vulcan, probably, or DXR. And and often, even in like the old programmable shaders, I haven't looked at the I haven't looked at the at the dev docs to see what the APIs look like. Even in the like the shader language days, the difference between the OpenGL shader language and the X, the DirectX shader language, pretty minimal. Okay. Like it was it was not it wasn't like you have to completely rewrite stuff. It's just you change syntax. Yeah, I guess it's, it's in everybody's best interest not to try to reinvent the wheel, it's right? It's math. Yeah. Like those shader programs are just straight. Here, we're going to do some math on. Right, right. on like there might pixels. be some syntax that needs to change yeah. and stuff, but. Yeah. Ray tracing. Yeah. It's, it's here. It's, it's the future. So, but so it might take a little while to get there. Yeah. I, I don't. Have you looked to see what AMD has with ray tracing? I don't think. Do they have anything public? Not yet. I didn't think so. The, I, I, I've looked around. I didn't see anything. Like there is no AMD equivalent of RTX yet, which is interesting since they're providing the hardware for both of the yes, next gen consoles, which support ray tracing. Isn't it? I think I saw some message board comments to the effect of the next gen Navi stuff that's not out yet. We'll have it. That's what I've heard. Which twenty twenty, which is I guess what those consoles are based on. I would assume. I, some some it'll be somewhere on that spectrum, yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe an early or modified version. Could of that. be a later, even yeah. depending. Like the the interesting thing about the console GPUs is usually that they take more or less the existing pipelines and then they do something weird to it to to push a bottleneck around. Right. So like on the Xbox 360, they would pair the CPU and GPU with really really super fast memory so that they could talk to each other faster than they could across a PCI Express bus or an AGP bus or whatever it was back then. PCI Express back then. I think so. God, AGP. Yeah. Heard that in a while. Accelerated graphics port. Yep. It's the future, man. Uh, yep, it was. Yeah, so that's, that's ray, I mean, that was a lot about ray tracing, yeah, it I guess seems so. like. Yeah, the, the, I guess the, the, the open question of what the consoles are going to do is probably the biggest or the most interesting question to me. If nothing else, then because, you know, development trends will largely trickle down from, from those decisions, right? That, I mean, well, there's two things that happen when new technology hits, but like major new technologies hit on graphics pipelines. One is that it's an opportunity for a new market leader to take place. NVIDIA has, despite a stumble with the launch of the programmable shader generation with the 5800s, 5000 series 12, the, 15 the, years ago. The Dustbuster. The Dustbuster. Sounds like a chainsaw, man. <laughs> Did you ever see, you saw that video, right? No. Oh, NVIDIA's marketing. I'll, I'll see if I can dig up a copy and put it in the show notes. NVIDIA's marketing team, when they realized that they had a problem with the amount of noise that that thing made, they made a video where they're like, people love people. It was a joke. Okay. Like they knew they were joking. Okay. They knew it was a joke. It was, right. it was, it was self It was at a time when you could be self-aware and honest in a way that probably wouldn't happen. Today. I, I was going to say, I can respect a self-deprecating marketing department. Yeah. They were like, that's not. Something you see often. We're like Brian Burke and Dan Vivley and those guys were sitting around. They were like, this is, this sounds really cool, man. It sounds like a Harley. <laughs> so I was going to say, it's like you're rev, revving your hog here. Yeah. Crank this thing up, man. Let's, let's see what she can do. Yeah. Like they had the, the real, and the, just to be clear, the real problems with that were that it wasn't, it was a bad implementation of the early, I guess, direct X eight, uh, programmable shader stuff. Like it just wasn't capable. 
And the thing that they've learned from is that it seems like they're not rolling the stuff out until it is actually capable. Because you can do a little bit of ray tracing on a previous generation, a 10,000, you know, GTX 10,000. Yeah, they ended up putting drivers out after a while that enabled it on the, was it Pascal? Is that that architecture? Pascal, I believe. 1080 generation? The current one is Turing, I think. Uh, But not fast, like not not quickly, not in a way you would actually want to play a game. But But you could take a look. But yeah, I downloaded a lot of their ray tracing demos and ran them on my 1080. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I I think... And then the other thing that happens when there's a new generation is like you see a little bit of a rollout and then when it crosses a certain threshold and in the old days, that was when like three generations of video cards were on the market. Now it's when the next generation of consoles hits. Yes, yes. That's, All that's, of the games will land, and we'll start seeing ray trace a little bit of ray tracing in a lot more games. That's when that's when Nvidia won't have to send engineers to game studios anymore. AMD and Microsoft and Sony will do it. Then. Well, obviously for yeah. a while, but what I mean is, eventually we'll get to the point where everybody is just doing it because that's the thing to do now. Well, yeah, and like the middleware, the, like the the game engines yeah, will like support it better. Real and Unity will uh, get that stuff in there. Yeah, yeah. and Frostbite all the other weird engines that are out there, the Bethesda's presumably at some point there will be a Bethesda game with ray tracing. I'm not holding my breath. Maybe, maybe, um, but the groundwork has been laid. Yeah. We're going to get there. Yeah. Do you think, um, qualitatively just looking at a game, uh, are you confident that like, okay, let's say we take control now. Okay. You look at it. Like you see, you see the tech, you see the difference, right? It's cool. Yeah. But it's not like, it's iteratively cool, you know, like the reflections look better and stuff. But do you think are we? You think we're gonna get a point to a point in say three, four, or five years where like the games of then, the games of the future, huh? Compared to the games of now, like you're gonna be able to look back and forth and see, like, okay, this is the point where now they look so radically different that, I, like, like, is the average person gonna get to the point where they see a ray tracing game and go, holy shit, now I get why this tech matters? So I think in first person games, probably not for a while. I think in third person, like if you go back and look at like what was at the time a really good looking third person game like Enslaved, right? Mm-hmm. The the oh, that was a great game. It's a one of my favorites. Yeah, Th- that game looked amazing. It had a really lovely color palette, but its lighting model was you know bog standard Pretty for flat. the time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was there was no ref- there were minimal reflections. The water was like noisy, muddy, crappy looking water. And if you compare that to say, there's a reason that Control took place in brutalist architecture. With the ray tracing stuff, a lot of hard edges, a lot of hard edges, yeah. a lot of matte surfaces, yes. a lot of predictably shiny surfaces, not a lot of outside. Yes, a lot of occlusion. Nature, nature is messy. Yeah, and I think w- when we see nature scenes that have that level, that like it's going to be a while before we do a jungle game that uses a lot of ray tracing yes. because all of those lights have to be translucent, and that means they're going to refract, refract and filter the light, and those rays are going to get real yeah, expensive. Like a scene with tens of tens of thousands of leaves in it yep. that all have to be accounted for. But I mean, at least at least there's not as much reflection on the leaf scenes, right? So it's not like you're going into like a venture capitalist office. It's all chrome and glass. <laughs> that it's a living nightmare for a ray tracer. It's exciting stuff. It, it's the first time I've been excited about graphics in a really yeah, long same, time. Same. Yeah. Like when this stuff came about, I was like, oh, my God, this is like, again, this is the thing my friend told me about in the 90s that he was sure we would never have. Well, yeah, we went from like major pipeline changes every every generation to people writing increasingly clever code, yeah. which it's, is much less exciting. It's, yes, it slowed down. It became much more iterative for yeah. a long time. So this is the first big leap again in, in a very long time. Yeah. Um, and, and like if you go back, it's I mean, it's why all these HD remake 4K remakes or whatever 
are working for everything from like the kind of the original Xbox generation, but really the 360 PS3 generation. Like those games scale up really well and look really nice if you put a modern lighting model yeah. and and up and upres the assets a little bit. So that's the exciting thing to me. And I mean, you tell me if this is I've got this right as like a good use case for ray tracing. But if you've got a fully generalized lighting model, if you're really using it for the whole scene, you know, globally. Yeah. affect everything i mean you could essentially get like say an outdoor scene or an indoor outdoor scene where like the sun could be your only light source right and if you're actually calculating enough bounces the idea of i think we'll I, would love to, I would love to hear from developers on this but it's like the idea of artists not having to spend countless hours hand placing different types of light sources in different places to get the look they want well but, i mean you still need but, that well you will obviously art direction still matters yeah but the idea that like you know like you go outside right now, like the sun is the only light source there and it's lighting and, and it's creating every bit of lighting and shadow that you see. The idea that you could take a video game scene and just put one giant light source above it and get like something that looks good, a nice looking, yeah, a realistic, nice looking scene. I think and, that's and realistic. Then, and then the amount of time that would free up for them to then go in and tweak and do stuff. I think I think it's more generally when we increase graphics fidelity in games, it, it, it increases exponentially the amount of art that has to be created to make that gradual increase happen right yeah like it's possible i'm thinking about this backwards i think you might be backwards on this one <laughs> this is just going to create more i think it's because like somebody has to write the materials the shader oh, yeah, code yeah, for each yeah. of the materials or, so that we know how they bounce right, how the light it creates and, a different to-do list right yeah i think it just shifts the work from one thing to another yeah the thing the thing that i'm honestly most excited about is i i was working at maximum pc and didn't play a lot of like ps1 era games and a lot of them are going to be ripe for 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 ray traced remakes like can you imagine playing an old wipeout with a huh. full dynamic lighting model yeah, and what sounds... a fucking awesome cyberpunk nightmare yeah, that would that be sounds cool as hell yeah so all of those old games i think a lot of those old games will breathe new life into them and make them maybe more accessible give us an opportunity to go back and and you know let's let's play some ray traced majora's mask or <laughs> Huh. Retraced Ocarina of Time sure. or whatever weird shit is out there yeah. from those those long ago days. Yeah, yeah. That that, that Patreon funded uh, path tracing mod for Minecraft that came out before Microsoft actually released their legit. Have they released it yet? I think it's still uh, maybe it's in not the works. Out yet. They yeah. announced it and showed videos. But, yeah. Um, but there's a developer working through a, a Patreon who put a usable mod out before that. You, know? you, you like, guys did it on a UPF or something like that, uh, right? I don't think we ever messed with that one. Okay. Um, but just the idea that there are homebrew developers out there starting to tinker with the stuff and put it in the games in unexpected places is yeah. pretty exciting. It's it's really cool. It's cool tech. And also we're in that phase early on where probably when NVIDIA came to Remedy and and all these other developers and was like, hey, we, we have this tech we want you to put in. Here's a check. Do you think it's cool? If yes, here's a check. <laughs> Um, probably the, like, we won't be at the point where people design games, game mechanics around the lighting until the consoles hit yeah. until the, you know, until you can be reasonably sure that there's a few million people that are going to be able to buy your game. And, and when we start th- seeing things like I just, I finished super liminal a few weeks ago and there's a bunch of like perspective puzzles, but there's no reason a lot of those perspective puzzles couldn't have also been light puzzles. Right. And, and We'll see games like that and like um, Antichamber and, and you know, where Control used the red light for decoration to signal to the player that something weird was about to happen. Like, there's no reason you can't use light as more of a game mechanic. Sure. Uh, so, yeah, I'm yeah. stoked about it. I think yeah. it's really cool. 
Yes, I'm very happy to be excited about something new in graphics again. I did not think that we were going to see this while I was still in a position to be playing. Like, I thought this would be something that happened at the end of my life. Wow. Jeez, that's a pretty profound statement. Yeah, so so here (laughs) we are. Congratulations. I made it. Yeah. (laughs) We're here. I guess that does it for us. Yeah, that's it. We're due for a questions episode, probably not next week, but the week after, maybe. Yeah. Uh, So send your questions to techpod at content.town. Yes. We'll do our best. That's it for me. <laughs> yep. Is this the last episode before Christmas? Uh, I think so. Oh, man. Yes. I hope, hope everybody had a happy Hanukkah, which is now over, yeah. I suppose. Yes. Happy holidays to all. Yeah. And we'll see you all uh, next th- decade. No. No. We got oh, one more. Is there more. one more? One is, more. Is there one more Sunday before? We got we got one more okay. Sunday before oh, the decade's up. Like the calendar. We're going to do okay. a New Year's episode. Yes. I can. Oh, we should. Yeah. Get some Prosecco in here and just get crunk. <laughs> Talk yes. about tech. Yes. Talk about of, booze tech. A couple of 40 something sweat, sweatpants nerds. Yeah. Since I love booze, since I, since I don't really drink anymore. But I had yes. two glasses of wine a few nights ago and woke up feeling like garbage the next morning. So it's. Uh, the, oh, I want to talk about password managers. Free me, free me from this vessel of meat. I, I promised to talk about putting my parents on password managers. I'm just going to say it went bad, and we'll talk about it again at some okay. point in the future. I, you know, if I, I don't know if we have the chops, but if we want to do an infosec episode, I'll give it a shot. I think we have to get an expert in for I that. I find it. I find it you, interesting. You're more into that than I am. Kind of. Well, I'm just very paranoid. Yeah, that helps. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just. I just assume everybody knows everything about me all the time, I and it's changed, I changed my SSID a little while back because I was worried. Oh, really? Somebody might figure out who you know. I changed mine. Because I wasn't sure what all I had connected to the Wi-Fi, and I wanted to find out what stopped working. Turns out a lot of stuff stopped working. Yeah. I so I just changed it back. I would believe that. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, I'm Will Smith. You can find me at Will Smith on Twitter. Yep. At Brad Shoemaker. Uh, we'll be back next week. Have a happy holiday, everybody. Yeah, and definitely. Uh, Thanks for listening. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hey, post reviews on iTunes. That's what you guys could get us for Christmas if you wanted. Because we love to see... It's nice to get the feedback. We don't have comments. Yes. yes. And uh, and it turns out that's a good way that iTunes knows that they should promote our bullshit. So, uh, yeah. Thanks for, thanks for listening. Yep. Bye, everybody. Mm-hmm.